Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 23 today. And uh, looking over the previous chapter of 22, uh, chapter 22 is one of the most well-known passages in the Old Testament in regards to Abraham. And, and that particular one was the conf- uh, confirmation of his faith. The confirmation of his faith in the obedience of God asking him to, to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now again, many people would question that, that have never heard the Bible before. Why would a loving God do such a thing? Well again, the, the title of that message was, This is only a test, because this was the test that Abraham was, that Abraham and only Abraham had. God would never condone anybody killing their child. But Abraham had to be tested because of his because of his prestigious uh, uh, position, if you will. He he had one of the most uh, well known positions, being the father of many nations. Before before he was uh, to carry on, you know, God had to confirm his faith, and God wanted to make sure that Abraham loved him more than anything. So Abraham did exactly what was said. He was told to bring Isaac to a particular mountain. And he was told to build an altar. And that Isaac would be sacrificed. So Abraham did so. The first thing in the morning, he gathered Isaac. He, got, he gathered the wood to build the altar. But what was interesting is, is Isaac questioned on the way up. He says, Father, where is the sacrifice for what we're doing? But Abraham, What Abraham said was perfect. And very faithful, he said, son, he said, God will provide a sacrifice. And he did just that. Now, what had happened was, is Abraham had tied his, his son to the altar. Now, Isaac never, uh, never fought. He obviously figured out what was going on, uh, as Abraham was tying, was tying him to the altar. And as he had raised the knife, the Lord, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord yelled out, Abraham, Abraham, stop, do not touch the lad. For you have been confirmed that you are faithful and that you are fearing of God. And so, as hard as that was for Abraham, Abraham was faithful in what, was, in what he was about to do. Okay, but now Abraham is going to be hit with one of the most difficult of situations. And chapter 23 has to do with the death of his wife, Sarah. Now, for me, this was a hard study. Okay, now this was a chapter that was very short, but it was a, but it was a very hard hit. You know, it, it caused me to put myself in Abraham's shoes. And if there's one thing I hope, I hope that this will give us personal insight on, on personal levels, and more importantly, on spiritual levels. Because of the because of this chapter, uh, the, the reality of it. See, there's one thing we ca- we cannot relate to, which is that of having to sacrifice a child, because that is not what God would do. But there is one thing that we can and may just relate to, which is the death of our our spouse. And so I pray again as, that as we carry on, that, that you will see something that, you, that you'll see something that might be an eye opener. And and what's funny is, uh, as I've heard this chapter taught before, it was it was taught very well at times, but it was also taught uh, with with just kind of a demeanor of a story. But for me, I felt like there was just a little more, a little more to it from a passionate sense as I tried to put myself in Abraham's shoes. 
So let's take a look here. We're going to be in chapter 23. And I'm going to start off in, in verses 1 and 2. And it says that Sarah lived 127 years. And these were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in, in Kerjath. Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So this is a, a scenario different for Abraham. You know, who, who had been tested in so many ways. But now had to face the loss of his beloved wife of so many years. Now, we don't know how long they were married for. But, you know, at 127 years old, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a good long life together. And, and she was 10 years younger than Abraham. And, and what's interesting is the background regarding Sarah. You know, she was the only woman in the Bible that showed what age she was when she passed away. So no other woman in the Bible has that ever mentioned before. But for some reason, Sarah's age was, was uh, documented. And as strong and faithful as Abraham was, the death of his wife was definitely the hardest thing he dealt with. You know, I look at my grandfather. He was one of the toughest men I've ever known, physically and emotionally. Uh, he could be uh, very stoic as well. But when we watched my grandmother pass away, you know, it was the one thing that brought him down. And, and for Abraham, uh, things are now going to be different. You know, they had spent many years together and have been through a lot in their walk and their travels. And she was a beautiful woman, according to the scriptures. You know, even even in her later years, King Abimelech in the Philistine territory recognized her beauty and put her in his harem with other wives and, and women of of, uh, of his that she would have been close to at, at the age of 90 at this time. So uh, she gave birth at 90 years old to their son Isaac, which no woman in existence has been able to do. So Abraham showed proper burial honor here. You know, mourning was essential, as it is natural in the death of a loved one as well. And over the years, hearing from others who have lost their spouse, and their experience is amazing to hear, uh, you know, from, from, uh, from them, the, the love that they still have for their other half. And my wife and I were getting our wedding rings cleaned at a, a jewelry store where we got our wedding rings from. And one of the sales ladies that was there that day, uh, she was in her early 70s, and this was some years back. And she had lost her husband the year before. And she uh, she told me about him, and as as we talked, she broke down in my arms in the middle of the store. And for me, I was blessed to be there. You know, getting my ring cleaned as this happened gave me an appreciation for having my wife. And, and was blessed to be there for this precious lady, too. You know, that she would even open up to the likes of me, not even knowing me. But it was definitely a God thing. You know, but the life of, of Sarah and Abraham was a God thing like no other. You know, she was buried at Hebron. And, and what a fitting place, as Hebron is, is meaning uh, fellowship. And a life with fellowship with God and your spouse and, and family is, is a gift beyond any worldly aspect. And, and we will see the blessings that were given uh, here as well as we continue to take a look here at verses 3 through 6. And it says, Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. 
And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. So the hardest hit for someone is normally the burial process. You know, I've done a few funerals before. And when you see that coffin lower into the ground, that's when it really becomes real to a lot of people. And in this ancient culture, uh, it was customary for, for a proper burial and mourning. So the failure of honor to those who had passed was the ultimate in disrespect. Uh, so Abraham was looking into Sarah's best resting place, but he, he knew that her resting place was in eternity with God. See, there was no funeral homes or arrangements now, the one common thing that we can uh, that we can relate to from then to now is is expensive cost, but people would have uh they would have burial places uh set at times in family plots you know a lot of times they were in caves for the wealthier ones. Uh, but Abraham, even though he was out of his area, the people still had a knowledge of him and a respect for his anointing, as, as they must have recognized it by his request that his purpose in life was to continue on the path to God. You know, he requested that she be buried out of his sight. And, and to some, that may seem unloving, but not the case here. You know, Abraham had a journey to continue on in the faith. And for some people, it's comforting to them to visit a burial or a grave, uh, a grave site of a loved one. And it brings them a form of comfort. You know, it's a way for them to cope with the loss. You know, to bring flowers. And, and some cultures today will throw parties at grave sites as, as if the one departed is at the party. You know, I have a good friend who works at one of the biggest and well, uh, most well-known cemeteries in Los Angeles. And he does security over there. And he's told me things that they've experienced in different cultures. I mean, he's seen live music there. He's seen um, DJ equipment there. He's seen birthday parties thrown as if people, again, are, are throwing it amongst there as as the, uh, the one departed is amongst them. So a lot of people uh, do this. It brings them a form of comfort or normalcy uh, to their life. But Abraham obviously wasn't concerned for her body, you know, as he knew where she was in eternity. And now his focus was to continue without distraction. You know, they were both in their later years, and, and when that hits someone, you really tend to focus on what's going to matter the most. And that's what you've done for God. You know, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, uh, that chapter focuses on those who had passed. You know, a lot of people label that particular chapter the Hall of Faith. And it spoke of the faith of many important figures, and Abraham was definitely one of the top picks. Now, as we already have the Bible, and these people have been with God for three, 4,000 years during, uh, uh, during this time, he still has names in his book of life that he writes down. Everything that's done in his name is remembered and loved by God. You know, if we could learn from this, it'll help us to stay the course. So let's go ahead and take a look here at, what, uh, at verse 7. And we're going to be looking at verse 7 to 15 here. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land of the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me. 
that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his, of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price, as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land. And he spoke to Ephron in the land, hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Now, what we, what we just seen is a bargaining custom. You know, there was a gesture of kindness from Ephron to give the land to Abraham in the burial place, uh, with recognition of Abraham's position. Abraham was aware of the customs, as it would have been an, uh, an insult to accept his offer, but he didn't want to insult him uh, by taking it for nothing either, though. And, and this is the beginning of a negotiation process in the ancient East, uh, which at times can still normally be practiced in some areas. Uh, this was in the Canaanite region, though. So the offer is to give it, and when refused to take it for nothing, then the price starts to be negotiated. So we've seen 400 shekels of silver, which was, uh, shekels were measured in ounces. Uh, so not sure what the worth would be. Uh, but Abraham was a man of wisdom, and he was also a man of business sense as well. Uh, but more importantly, he was acting in integrity. You know, we know that when, when money and business transa transactions come into play, integrity can go right out the window. Uh, he wasn't dealing with people of God. So his ways were very wise and respectful to Ephron as, as he bowed to him out of respect for the offer. And, and we are surrounded by people of all sorts. And the Lord wants us to act out of his will, not the will of the world. You know, I, I have heard believers use a dishonest term uh, that, that it's, it's legal. You know, that it was legal, which is why I did what I did. But we forget that when someone legalizes something, that it doesn't make it ethical. You know, we are amongst the world, yes. And it's funny how people say uh, that they refuse to step into a church because it's filled with hypocrites. Well, those who say, uh, those who say that go into public every day, and they're surrounded by hypocrites. When you go into work, you're surrounded by hypocrites. When you go into school, you're surrounded by them. But the, but the call is on the individual. Are you a hypocrite, and how do you live and do things in life is the question. You know, Abraham could have been dealing with a crooked person. We're not sure here. But he refused to do any wrong. And God was with him always, as, as he is with any of us. See, the requirements are the same in the ways of the Lord with all people. You know, we might be... We might be teachers, and there is a, a more of a severe consequence. But a lot of people will look at things and, and, and think that we could get away with things because we're not in that particular position. Though the punishment is, is more severe on those who teach, 
the standard goes to all people. Uh, God didn't give bits and pieces of things of what to do and what not to do for certain people. The standard was there. The standard is the same for all. And the beauty of Abraham was is that though he tripped and fell at times, he got back up and, and he made his way back onto the straight path that God had built. You know, you've heard me say, or you might have heard me say before, that God doesn't build crooked roads. Man does. God builds straight roads. The straight and, the straight and narrow path that leads to him. And so what we're observing is Abraham's integrity. And this was hard. This had to have been hard. As you're right there, standing up from standing up from your wife, and now you're having to make a negotiation process right there. So this this shows the strength of Abraham and the faith of Abraham. Because I don't think most people would have been able to stand up right then and there and be able to do such a thing. I, th- I think there would be, I think there would be a sense of distraught uh, demeanor there that wouldn't be able to do such a thing. But Abraham, he handled himself well. You know, God was with him. Makes it a little easier when we know where our spouses are, right? And though, and though when they, when our bodies aren't around one another, that is, that is a very hard thing, yes. But eternity, eternity is forever. And so Abraham knew. Abraham knew where he, where he was going and where she was going. And so it makes it a little bit easier. But it's still, it's still not an easy process. This is still the hardest thing that he, had, that he would have had to have done. Let's continue to take a look at how this all came about in verses 16 to 20. And Abraham listened to Ephron. And Abraham weighed out the silver uh, for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Eth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in, in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field of the cave, which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as, as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth. Before all who went in the gate or the city, and after this Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field of the cave that is in it were, were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as a property for a burial place. Now this area became a family burial plot. Uh, this place will be the burial place of other important people in, in Abraham's family. And we know that all the land was given to Abraham by God. But he purchased it from Ephron in an outrageous price, I'm sure. But he displayed honesty while providing a, a burial place for Sarah. And going over this chapter, it, it definitely... It, again, as I mentioned earlier, it was a, a, an eye-opener for us everyday people in our day. As we're looking at the, uh, the end of 2016, we're coming to the end of the year. And Abraham was probably doing what he normally did on a daily basis. And then to come and find Sarah gone is a story that many can relate to. You know, we're here like nothing has changed. And then we're gone at any given minute. And for myself, and, and what I remind others is that when you look at your spouse, you know, realize that one day that you may have to bury one another. 
And if the, that's if the Lord doesn't take you together, which is normally a rarity. But we cannot afford to be living in the flesh. We must be living in the Spirit. You know, it's the only way we will truly flourish in our lives. Everything here is temporary. And, and it's even shorter for us because people don't live as long as Abraham and Sarah did anymore. So our time is even shorter. Okay? Sarah was 127 years old. Abraham was 10 years older. And Abraham stated in verse 4 that he was a visitor and a foreigner among them. You know, as we all are, because eternity is the final destination. And when those we love go, may, may, may that be remembered that if we get to be with our loved ones and the Lord for eternity, what more could we ever want? You know, I love what the Bible says, that even the angels question why we were chosen by God, us being humans. But it also says when someone repents and gives their heart to the Lord that all of heaven rejoices. And the purpose of all this is for us to be able to be up there to experience it. And to be one of the rejoicers when someone gives their heart to the Lord. You know, over over time, you know, I've counseled uh, married couples and families from time to time. And some that were going through some very, uh, very horrible situations. And as I look back, and I think about some of these people and, and so on and so forth, and I just, I praise God that they were able to, to, to pull out of this by His, by His glory and by His ability. Because when we look back and we see the things that we fight about, or we see the things that we focus on, and we have to think to ourselves, what exactly, what were, what were we doing? What were we fighting for? Was there selfish means? Was there, was there a form of, of fighting because of, uh, because of success, or for the sake of our own well-being? There, there's so many things that, that are done nowadays that really probably caused the Lord to shake his head. <laughs> you know, God has called families to be the nucleus of our society, not the downfall of it. Families are to be the salt and light of the earth. And, and so when I look at Abraham and I look at Sarah, I think to myself that praise God for their example because they, they got to leave a legacy that was just a, a wonderful legacy. You know, not too many people get to live a long life and, and to live a, a very long uh, life together in marriage. It's a, it seems to be a rarity anymore. But when I look at this, it really hit me. You know, as, again, as I said again, putting myself in Abraham's shoes, I had to think about all of this, thinking that, well, this is a reality that many people have faced. Speaking with people that have lost their spouse. Speaking with people that... that um, we're maybe on the uh, on the verge of uh, of divorce or something like that. It was just such a uh, such a thing that we don't want to think about and remember, you know, scars that we don't need to have. And so it, this is an urge for us to to stay the course. And and so I think of those that have lost their spouse. And, and my prayers are with you. And I pray that the Lord will fulfill any void 
I pray for those that are, that have maybe gone through a divorce, as God is a forgiving God. And I pray that, that your new course will start with Him. But for those who are still walking together, may we cherish one another in, in the form of, of spousal relationships and family relationships. And, and so again, we can't do any of this without the love of God. So this, for me, this was probably one of the more uh, sentimental. Every chapter is sentimental to me, but this one here is something that hit a little, a little more close to home. Being being somebody who's married and loves my family very much, I think that's the biggest fear of anybody. So I want to urge you again that that you would walk close with God, and that you would cause your families to to walk close with God, because in the end, that's all that's going to matter. We have a legacy to leave. See, everything we do here on earth is going to fade, okay? But everything we do for God is the only thing that's going to matter in the end. And what we do with our families is one of the things that's going to matter to God. So again, my prayers will be with you. And may you stay to his word and may you stay true to his word. And at this time, if you're a first time listener, and if you're, if you're wondering how it is that you can go to heaven, how is it that you receive the Lord? Well, it's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer of repentance and receiving the Lord in faith. You know, Abraham was a great man of faith. And, and so if you want to receive the Lord, if you feel that the Spirit has spoken to you, then you could say the simple prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Lord, I ask you to wash me clean of all of my sins. Lord, I invite you into my heart as my Lord and Savior and as my Father, Lord. Lord, I thank you for having me. And may you change my life, Lord. And may you receive me into your kingdom, Lord, when my time comes. Father, I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, always it's it's such a blessing as we accomplish another chapter together. And and for those who are listening, I just wanted to say thank you. I, I, I thank God for you. For those who are seeking the Word of God and to want to hear the Word of God. And I ask that you would be praying for, for me and my family as well as I'll be praying for all of you, wherever you may be. I just want to, again, I think of you and I thank you all uh, always for uh, for being a part of this. And so again, I just wanted to let you guys know I love you all. And may God watch over and keep you guys and your families and your friends. May you be the salt and light that he has called you to be. So may God bless and keep you always.